Welcome to False Flag Weekly News, the weekly news show that leaves no stone unturned looking for crawling things underneath all of those stones uh, here in the Empire of... And uh, and Mike Springman, uh, the wonderful Jay Mike, uh, is broadcasting live from our nation's capital or thereabouts. Hey, welcome, Mike. How are you? Yeah, it's, a, it's real fun here in the state of confusion. Okay. Well, yeah, that's pretty much the whole world these days. Uh, I think there was even a song about that, but I won't attempt to sing it. <laughs> and you can thank me for that. So let's question everything here on False Flag Weekly News. That's what we do. And particularly, we, we question the nonsense coming at us from the mainstream media. And it's getting so bad that instead of questioning it, we're pretty much just mocking it and thumbing our noses at it these days. And if you find that disturbing, then, well, too bad for you. Yeah, yeah. Okay. That's enough of our disclaimers, uh, I think. No, one more disclaimer. We're neither physicians nor psychoanalysts. So if you need to lie down on the couch and tell somebody your sexual fantasies, it ain't us. Okay, well, let's let's start the show here, Mike. Uh, here's our image of the week. The um, this is this is actually kind of a cosmic image with perhaps some political overtones. But let's let's get into the uh, propaganda deconstruction here straight away. And our first story is the false flag bombing of the theater in Mariupol. The best account of this is published by Max Blumenthal. And here it is. Uh, the, we have a theater where we were told that uh, a huge scrawled sign or something visible from the air read uh, children. And yet the evil Russians bombed it. Does that remind you of the Kuwaiti baby incubators? Does that remind you of the fake maternity hospital Russian bombing stunt? It sure does me. And Black Max Blumenthal has laid it out. I mean, how stupid could anyone be to not see that this is an obvious false flag? Well, they are very stupid. They believe it. The Washington Post has it all over the, the pages for the last week about the, the evil Russians killing these poor innocent women and children, yet you see no bodies. Uh, and the propaganda they're cranking out is exactly the same thing they used uh, when the legitimate president of, of Syria invited uh, Russian forces in to help uh, his uh, government against the invading terrorists uh, sponsored by the United States Army. So I, I think it's uh, it, it does very well. You can see the Volksangel up there on the the yellow flags of the Azov Battalion, which is a neo-Nazi crowd, beloved of Victoria Newland, the uh, Zionist uh, uh, Undersecretary of State for Political Affairs. And, and this happened uh, just a few days after uh, a warning was issued uh, by an Azov Battalion defector, and apparently was echoed by others saying that there were false flags coming because the uh, Ukrainian neo-Nazi government in Kiev is losing, and it's desperate to try to trigger some kind of NATO intervention. And so first they set up a false flag attack on the Kanuni Sultan Suleiman Mosque. They claimed the Russians bombed it. But then the Turks, uh, who actually run that mosque, uh, basically admitted that, no, it wasn't bombed. And then the Azov Battalion, which totally controls this theater, apparently herded people into the basement and blew part of the theater up. It isn't clear how many people, if any, died. And so Max Blumenthal's account of this, again, is by far the best and most detailed. And I, I urge people to read it. And I'm ready to forgive Max Blumenthal for being the son of Hillary's friend, Sidney, and for denying uh, the obvious 9-11 truth, because he's doing a great job on this particular false flag. Well, exactly right. I mean, it's uh, you've got to uh, look behind the news, and uh, I, I think Gilad Atzman, the uh, 
the former Israeli Jew said it best. He said, you read the mainstream media now uh, to find out what hasn't happened. And the timing of this was also a giveaway. Uh, Zelensky did his uh, histrionic uh, address to the U.S. Congress begging for a quote-unquote no-fly zone, which actually means nuclear World War III. And, you know, Congress, just like they give Netanyahu a standing ovation, they give Zelensky a standing ovation. And then just a couple of hours after this address, suddenly, boom, this theater, completely controlled by the Azov Battalion neo-Nazis, blows up. Uh, it's so so obvious. It's just unbelievable that anybody swallows this garbage, and yet they do. And if you don't swallow it and you admit that you don't swallow it, you're going to have a hard time in the academy. In our next slide, we see that University of Edinburgh professor Tim Hayward is being attacked uh, and being basically treated the way I was treated when I questioned 9-11 in the media in 2006 for questioning this obvious false flag. And he's, he's not even kind of saying it straight out. He's just kind of beating around the bush. And even for that, they're uh, hammering him in the media. The Scottish uh, parliament is attacking him. The education secretary is threatening to investigate him. All of this uh, for a very timid sort of stammering mention that, well, this looks rather suspicious. Well, look what happened to Tony Hall, the Canadian professor at Lethbridge University. Uh, he was tossed out of the school uh, because vague allegations of so-called anti-Semitism. Uh, and then he began running American Herald Tribune, which was shut down twice by the corrupt, incompetent, illegitimate and racist American government even though the second time the, the, uh, the website was in uh, physically in Canada. So you, you can't tell the truth and expect not to pay for it. That's right. Yeah, Tony Hall had ended up in a, in a huge fight with, uh, with his university, and it looks like Tim Hayward may be too. Although, you know, from another perspective, you could say that Tim Hayward deserves to be hammered because it, he, he said uh, that he suggested that the bombing of this theater in Mariupol may have been staged by Ukrainian nationalists. May have been? Come on, Tim. It was. And Ukrainian nationalists? Come on, Tim. They're freaking neo-Nazis. Hammer the guy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, well, uh, what can you say? Let's let's uh, uh, talk about the, uh, the media uh, uh, completely uh, telling only one side of the story, which is the side of one side in this Ukrainian civil war. The other side, the side of the people who've been basically genocided in the Donbass for seven years, is never told. And here is somebody who actually has the guts to tell it, Sonja Vanende, who went to uh, a city of Heninsk along the Sea of Azov, and found that the people there actually, unlike the Iraqis uh, in Paul Wolflitz's deranged imagination, were greeting the quote-unquote invasion, uh, in this case of the Russians, with flowers and candy. And people were overjoyed to be liberated from the neo-Nazi criminal gangs that had been running rampant in their city until the Russians came in. And there are a whole lot of people who feel that way in other cities in the Ukraine, especially in the south and east. Well, exactly. I, the, uh, they seem to omit the 14,000 uh, residents of the Donbass region, essentially uh, ethnic Russians, uh, being bombarded by the, uh, the Ukrainian neo-Nazi government uh, and uh, with, the, I guess, the assistance of the, the CIA, which has been working there since about 2014-2015. And uh, as things go, uh, nobody talks about this. Uh, the Russians have proposed the Minsk Agreement, which said they give some autonomy to uh, uh, Lugansk and uh, Donetsk. And 
get the heavy weapons out of the area. And of course, the uh, Zelensky government and his predecessor, Poroshenko, um, never bothered to do that. They wanted to keep the war going and kill people as long as they were Russians. That's right. And so basically, the Azov Battalion is uh, Ukrainian for ISIS. It's the same thing. The CIA trains a bunch of extremists, turns them into extreme haters and maniacs, puts them on drugs, and uh, unleashes them to destabilize a government that the neoliberal empire wants to overthrow, or in this case, they're going for for Russia, but they overthrew Ukraine in 2014 using these CIA-trained neo-Nazis who are really carbon copies of ISIS. I mean, there's almost no difference whatsoever. They're a fanatical, uh, hatred-based ideology of uh, we're right, everybody else is wrong, uh, kill the people that we think are wrong. It's exactly the same. Azov Battalion, ISIS, two sides of the same coin, maybe not even uh, that different. Um, and still, these just like ISIS wasn't able to win, despite all of the massive CIA training and funding and after they were created by the CIA, likewise, the Azov Battalion, which is essentially a CIA cre- creation, and, and it's... Uh, allies in the Ukrainian regular armed forces, uh, they're not winning either. And so we're going to get a false flag, it looks like. That's the next slide. Uh, we're being prepared for the false flag in the American mainstream media. They're telling us that as Putin's invasion stalls, Putin is going to conduct a cyber uh, or biochemical revenge attack on the United States uh, or maybe on, on Ukraine. And so just remember, folks, if anything bad ever happens, it's all Putin's fault. High gas exactly. prices, it's Putin's fault. High food prices, it's Putin's fault. Crime rates up, it's Putin's fault. Infrastructure crumbling, it's Putin's fault. Our spiritual values have decayed. Well, that's Putin's fault, too. He stole them from us. And now he's spreading those spiritual values over in Russia. What a bad, bad, bad guy. Bad Putin, bad Putin. Get ready for a false flag chemical or cyber attack. Mike, uh, are you prepared for the next big false flag? Um. Not really. I don't have a whole lot of money in the bank. Uh, I don't have uh, any great secrets in my computer. Uh, so I think basically it's going to be more of the same. Uh, but we will hear uh, from the Washington Post and Jeff Bezos about how terrible and awful it is and how the entire country has just crashed overnight, just like in the, some fictional movie on television about the Chinese. So I, I think that uh, uh, we can get a fake cyber attack, we can get a fake release of chemicals because the U.S. has been working in some 30 labs in the, the Ukraine uh, to work on um, uh, poisonous bacteria. And, and, and that's our next story. Let's advance that slide to okay. the next slide. Yeah, yeah yep. so there it, it says that, uh, oh, the Russians are inventing this. They're making it up. When in actual fact, uh, Jen Psaki, uh, but nugget Biden spokesman, actually said, yeah, we do have these things there. And we want them away from the Russians because they might use them. Wait, I thought that was Victoria Newland. Ah, you, well, you're, you're forgetting you're forgetting which uh, which uh, crazy uh, female <laughs> Biden well, ally. Uh, well, Pasaki admitted to. We did have these things there, and uh, okay. I suppose Newland can go on and elaborate on it. I mean, uh, you got two witches, uh, and the third witch, uh, Madeleine Albright, fortunately has died. And they, they're, so they're, that's true. Yeah. That's uh, the ding dong. The witch is dead. Uh, we're going to talk about Madeleine Albright in a bit. Um, so this chemical or biological weapon story is, is very interesting. Uh, the previous slide was the covert action magazine article, which I think is the best uh, article about it. And it does link the actual papers. So you can look at the papers and see what they say. 
And the bottom line is that Black and Veatch Special Projects Corporation was given full access to freely operate in these 30 uh, biolabs in the Ukraine that were researching dangerous pathogens under the DTRA program. This is according to a letter dated July 2nd, 2019 from the Ukrainian Minister of Health to DTRA in Ukraine. And uh, this was all under the uh, supervision of the uh, of the Pentagon. So you can look at those documents and see for yourself. But then in the uh, next slide, we see the Russian defense ministry going one step further and showing Hunter Biden's connection to this. Um, Hunter Biden's Rosemont Seneca investment firm, which is connected uh, to, yes, it's just connected to Hunter. It's not totally his, uh, has been funding the military program, uh, biological program in Ukraine. Uh, rumor has it that Hunter took a special interest in an experimental virus designed to infect the nostrils and enhance cocaine uptake. And another one targeting the lungs and genitals designed to intensify the experience of smoking crack with underage prostitutes. Uh, no, I just made that part up. But the rest of it is, is true, at least according to the Russians. I don't know about uh, Hunter Biden and his uh, direct connection with bioweapons. But in the next slide, we see the attempted debunking here by The Intercept, which is funded by the CIA asset billionaire Omidyar, um, and they lost their only real journalist, Glenn Greenwald, last year. This uh, debunking is utterly lame. They found like 10 CIA asset Russian scientists to all swear on the satanic Bible that uh, Victoria Newland not only didn't sh- say that uh, that there's no this stuff, but in fact, Victoria Newland doesn't even exist. Uh, you know, this den- these denials in this intercept story are exactly like the BS denials chronicled in Nicholson Baker's book, Baseless, because the U.S. has used biological weapons in anger dozens of times, and it lies about it every single time, and it uses the word baseless over and over. These claims are baseless, baseless, baseless. And this article from The Intercept, which is a total disgrace, is basically just saying baseless, 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 and putting that word in the mouths of CIA assets. Well, yeah, I mean, the United States used uh, chemical weapons in Korea and chemical weapons in Vietnam. Cuba, uh, Eastern Europe, Russia, and on and on and on. And as I told uh, Sputnik yesterday in an interview that's supposed to go up today, uh, that, uh, you know, they're going to sweep this under the rug. They're not going to bring Biden, uh, either father and son Biden, out into the open and, and what they've done with what kind of money. Uh, they're going to sweep it under the rug the way they did Biden's computer in the election campaign in 2020. And they're pretty much already trying to sweep it under the rug, but they're also uh, complaining a little bit, which tells you that this story has gotten some legs, especially since Victoria Newland inadvertently uh, blew the whistle on herself. Um, so biolabs in a war zone, that's probably not a great thing. No wonder Victoria Newland says we're rushing in there to try to clean up before any, any of the stuff gets loose or falls into the Russians' hands. And so we're facing potential catastrophe and facing a lot of potential catastrophes here. One of them is the larger, big picture potential catastrophe of World War III. And Alistair Crook points out in this piece, which was actually picked up by Russian media, uh, the Russian media stuff on this whole situation, despite it having its own spin overall, is vastly less hysterical and insane than the Western media stuff. And Crook's article, which, of course, he's Western, uh, is is a good example of this. His uh, article uh, makes the argument that what we're seeing here is that the Russians see this as uh, the filmmaker Nikita Nikolov said. He said this is a global and perhaps the last attempt of Western civilization to attack the Russian world, orthodox ethics, uh, traditional values, basically to utterly and completely destroy Russia. So the Russians, not just Putin, but 
two-thirds plus of the Russian people and essentially all of their intellectuals except the handful of neoliberal CIA paid-off stooges uh, basically all feel that this is it. It's Russia. Russia is about to be destroyed. They have their backs to the wall, as, as Putin said. Putin's actually a moderate peacenik compared to the average people and the average thinkers in Russia. Uh, and this is it. If they don't fight back, they're dead, which means they will fight back with everything they have, including all the nuclear weapons they have, which are actually more than we have. So the U.S. misinterprets this as a tit-for-tat strategic chessboard war where we grab a few more pieces from the Russians. No, the Russians are playing this. It's all or nothing because they're existentially threatened. The West refuses to admit this. This is a recipe for World War III. Yes, indeed. I've been reading Carol Quigley's book, Tragedy and Hope, and he repeats in the book uh, the uh, the old Cold War mentality that Russia has been a failure since the Middle Ages and is only going to get worse. Uh, and I see the article here that Crook wrote as is a really laying out of uh, an attack by the West on Russian culture, Russian values, Russian religion, uh, wanting to destroy everything and uh, pick up the pieces. Uh, they failed uh, immensely when uh, Putin brought Russia back from the uh, the Yeltsin mess and the capitalists that ate up everything they could get their hands on in, uh, in this uh, uh, 1991, 1992, 1993era, uh, where you had disaster capitalism being inflicted on the Russian state. And so the West is gambling with, uh, well, gambled by trying to bring Ukraine into NATO, by a CIA coup in 2014 that installed CIA neo-Nazis with a thin veneer of uh, pro-Western liberal oligarchs uh, on the surface. And now they may gamble with a big false flag. Getting back to the false flag theme in our next slide, we're looking at contingency plans for Russia using its most powerful weapon or weapons. What would that be? Well, nuclear, biological, chemical, any of these things would cross the red line, uh, bring the U.S. into the war. And, of course, this would be a false flag, uh, almost certainly, because the Russians will use those weapons, right, in, in strategic circumstances if they have to, if their backs are up against the wall enough. Uh, but the way things are going, that's not going to happen anytime real soon because they're winning. And so if you see a big uh, chemical incident or a biological incident there, it's obviously a false flag. And the media is preparing us for this. And this article is just one of many dozens along these lines. Well, the uh, the Americans and their so-called NATO uh, subservient creatures uh, have been pumping immense amounts of weapons, anti-tank guns, anti-aircraft uh, missiles and so forth into the Ukraine through Poland. And uh, sooner or later, they're going to get their hands cut off. Because the Russians, I think, are not going to put up with this continual uh, feeding of uh, weapons into the uh, into the Ukraine to fight the the Russian Federation. And, and these warnings of uh, you know possible uh, disaster or whatever uh, are uh, actually you know many of them are are a little different from what we usually hear. Uh, Dmitry Medvedev, who's a dove, he's like even to the left of Putin. Putin is moderate sort of peacenik. Dmitry uh, Medvedev, by Russian standards, is an extreme peacenik. Uh, he was president from 2008 to 2012. He's now the deputy secretary of Russia's Security Council. And he uh, is saying what everybody in Russia is saying. The United States has been conspiring to destroy Russia as what he calls part of a primitive game since the fall of the Soviet Union. And what he points out is not so much that, yeah, of course, we're going to use everything we have to prevent that, which goes without saying, 
But he's pointing out that even if the West somehow succeeded in destroying Russia, what would that create? It would create, uh, you know, this world's biggest country by land area falling apart into many small mini states, all nuclear armed, ruled by what he calls freaks, fanatics and radicals, extremist warlords. Uh, which would be extremely destabilizing for the whole world and not just bad for Russia. So he's trying to knock some sense into the heads of the Russian leaders, or rather the, the, the Western leaders and the White House, saying, look, you know, be careful what you wish for. You, you might not like it if you got it. You're exactly right. I mean, the, the United States is backing this uh, uh, lunatic uh, Zionist dancing in high heels and naked to the waist, uh, he's a failed actor, a failed comedian, and somehow he has this remarkably uh, well-prepared uh, uh, media blitz going that uh, you, that didn't come out of the Ukraine. It came out of uh, the American uh, uh, government and its its subservient entities. Uh, and uh, he paints himself as this this guy who's in a t-shirt in the uh, a battle jacket and uh, he's he's fighting for his life and he's quoting Martin Luther King and all this stuff and uh, they won't look past him to see what he's done to suppress uh, dissent in the Ukraine. So this headline is a little misleading actually. It's a Yahoo News headline and it kind of the headline makes it sound like what this Putin ally yeah. is warning is that we're going to blow up the world with our nuclear weapons. But no, what he's really warning is the nuclear dystopia would happen if, in fact, the West, quote unquote, won and managed to destroy Russia. Uh, even if that happened, the result would be a Mad Max kind of dystopian mm-hmm. situation. Even if it happened in the best possible way that the West could even imagine, it would still uh, be vastly worse than just having a stable Russia, which is what the Russians want. Well, uh, speaking of catastrophes that are looming on our horizon, how about the climate change catastrophe? Everybody's forgetting about that because the world could uh, go up in nuclear smoke and radiation any minute. But slowly, 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 the carbon emissions are creeping back up. They crashed 11% in 2020 globally, but they're back up uh, 5%, uh, almost half of what they crashed in 2021. And this article is telling us that Oops, you know, we're, we're doomed. We needed to keep having more COVID crises, apparently, to knock our carbon even further down. Um, and, and this does raise the issue of Malthusianism as a cause of war. That is, if we don't have enough resources to support the uh, various populations around the world and they start competing for those resources, we're more likely to have wars. And that may be part of actually what's going on in Ukraine and with uh, U.S. aggression against the Middle East and China and pretty much everywhere else. Well, you've got the uh, the statement, you know, life is nasty, brutish and short. And uh, given what the Americans are doing, as you said, to uh, attack the rest of the world for its own ends, uh, hopefully to gather the oil of Iraq and Syria and pour it into their own gasoline tanks, uh, I think that... Uh, there is some value to that. And, uh, you know, regardless of what really happens with the, <coughs> the the carbon-driven climate change situation, and there are all sorts of interesting perspectives on that, uh, ranging from those who say it's actually worse than the mainstream tells us to those who say it's not a problem at all and that actually it's the sun that's driving climate change. Regardless of what the science on that issue actually says, it's clear that there is an environmental and resource crisis going on that is driving Malthusian uh, warmongering 
And as we move into a state of war, as it moves closer and closer to total war, we're going to end up in a much more propagandized world because, of course, wartime is propaganda time. And when we look at the way the propaganda is working, we find all kinds of interesting things, such as the fact that this this pandemic seems to have brainwashed a significant chunk of the population into essentially accepting whatever nonsense the propaganda shoved down their throat. And this poll commissioned by the Toronto Star found that whereas almost two-thirds of unvaccinated people refuse to condemn the so-called Russian invasion of Ukraine, uh, essentially the vaxxed people are almost unanimous in condemning it. It was like only, you know, like like two percent said it was justified, and another four percent refused to answer. So essentially, the, if you got a vaccination, you're almost guaranteed to support the uh, U.S. war on Russia and to believe that you know the Russians are the bad guys to swallow all that propaganda, which raises the question: What do they put in those vaccinations anyway? So I had some fun with that as in the next slide with my American Free Press article. Uh, so I guess the only way we can eradicate Putin is if everybody gets vaccinated against Putin. If you don't get vaccinated against Putin, it's your fault when the plague of Putin continues to wreak havoc. So, Mike, are, are you wearing your uh, your anti-Putin mask and keeping uh, your anti-Putin social distance from Putin? No, no. I, I, in fact, I wear to the gym on occasion a, a T-shirt uh, that has the Russian arms on it and the uh, Russia Raisa in Cyrillic script at the bottom. Uh, I did see your article, and I thought, man, that's great satire. And then I looked at the article uh, of the uh, the Canadian poll, and I thought, my God, he's not joking. This is the truth. That you can't joke. write satire anymore. No, no. I mean, you you uh, you, you push this propaganda, and you you got everybody buying it. I, I everybody I know that's been vaccinated uh, has lectured me on how I should get it, and how I will die in next week at nine o'clock on Tuesday morning. If I don't, uh, but I, I think that they are susceptible to the, the lies that Fauci and Bill Gates and the rest of them have put out that are eliminated in, in, in surprising and disgusting detail by Robert F. Kennedy Jr.'s book, uh, The Real Tony Fauci. Well, I did admit in, the, in my article that it's entirely possible that correlation is not causation and <laughs> that the fact uh, the group of people who were easily brainwashed by COVID propaganda are probably just more susceptible to propaganda in general. And so they're more susceptible to anti-Putin propaganda too. Uh, that would be the, um, the innocent explanation. And, and if, if there's a guilty explanation, like there, there's something about those vaccines that weakens you to the point that you no longer have any defenses against propaganda. Well, you know, I don't know if we can entirely rule that out. And if there's something even worse than that, some kind of high tech, uh, whatever it is that they're putting in these vaccines, that makes people turns people into sheeple. Well, uh, you can't entirely rule that out either. So, no, we're living in interesting times anyway. Uh, well, uh, how about Biden? Uh, Biden's popularity should be skyrocketing, right? I mean, he's a wartime president now. Oh, yeah, we have, yeah. you know, the propaganda on the media is, is like it's like nine eleven or worse. Well, George W. Bush. You know, guy, a, a total joke of a character, you know, a guy who failed in everything he tried until somehow they put him in the White House. His popularity shot up to over 90 percent when the media started beating the drums of war after 9-11. Now the media is beating the drums even harder for Biden and his popularity is still crashing. He's down to 40 percent now. It's a new low, down three points from last week. 
Well, of course, some people hate him because he hasn't started World War III yet, which is weird, hating a guy because he hasn't blown you up or poisoned you with radiation. But I don't know. I mean, I think just Biden is not a very popular president. Let's face it. What do you think, Mike? Oh, my God. He uh, he stumbled all through the campaign. He got into tremendous arguments with people about firearms. Uh, he was remarkably arrogant, sometimes didn't know what city he was in. Uh, and uh, he... he uh, has trouble with the teleprompter making a coherent speech. So I, I think that anybody who hears him talk or sees him talk uh, realizes there's something wrong with the guy. He's over the hill. He's past his cell date. And uh, I, I think that uh, they're not buying his story that the Russians are responsible for skyrocketing gasoline prices. Well, what I'm a little concerned about is that Biden actually, you know, to his credit, is relatively stable and rational when it comes to war and peace decisions. He was seen as the most pro-peace of the top-level people in Obama's cabinet. So now now he got us out of Afghanistan. God bless him for that. And now he's refusing to start World War III uh, by getting into firefights with Russia, by declaring a so-called no-fly zone. And there are people pressuring him to do that. So somebody might be tempted to remove him by terminating him with extreme prejudice and perhaps even blaming it on Putin. After all, we blamed everything else on Putin. Why not that? <laughs> and then we'd have Commissar Kamala in power. And Commissar Kamala would be the perfect person to just utterly and totally crack down and, and lead us into World War III, uh, put all of us dissidents in camps. I mean, I think, you know, we would all be worshiping the poster of Commissar Kamala in this dystopia created by a false flag assassination of Biden. I don't think that's going to happen, but you never know, do you? Well, Campbell Toe Harris didn't have a good record in California with her prosecutions of the uh, the people who were down and out and didn't have much in the way of uh, uh, financial resources to fight back against uh, aggressive prosecutors. Yeah, and, and of course, she's really way out of her depth. Um, she's not uh, equipped really <laughs> to, to be uh, making these kinds of decisions or to be leading uh, anybody in the situation. And she's a total tool of the neocon Zionist. She's married to one, uh, for goodness sake. Uh, so I, I do kind of pray for the health of Joe Biden right now, which is kind of weird <laughs> considering how, how much I loathe the guy. Anyway, moving on to uh, more Trump Biden stuff. Uh, Representative Mo Brooks now tells us that Trump asked him to quote unquote rescind the 2020 election and remove Biden and call a special election. To which my response is, well, too bad he didn't. It might have saved the world because, you know, <laughs> Biden may be saving the world at least temporarily by not, you know, getting us into World War III overnight, but we're still heading in that direction. Whereas if Trump had been kept in power, he might very well have kept his promise to destroy NATO. He had no use for NATO. And the only reason that he didn't get get out of NATO and end NATO during his first term was that the they wouldn't let him and he thought maybe he needed to be conventional, to be reelected. Had he continued in office, maybe NATO would have fallen apart or maybe he would have deliberately left it and the whole Ukraine war would never have happened. So maybe it actually would have been a good thing if Mo Brooks had led a pro-Trump coup d'etat. Now, that's a strange thought, isn't it? Well, I kind of like it because uh, NATO is an absolute disaster. It was started in the 40s as a defensive uh, alliance and somehow it keeps expanding and expanding up to the borders of uh, uh, the old Soviet Union and now the Russian Federation uh, from the Baltic states and Poland, which has have no love for uh, Russia, 
down through the Balkans. Uh, and um, the thing uh, has uh, expanded and was fighting in Afghanistan and fighting in Iraq. Uh, and uh, I assume they're still involved in Syria. So I, I think that uh, dissolving NATO would have been the, the greatest uh, uh, peace move uh, in, in American foreign policy in the last century. Of course, if the price were a civil war in the U.S., I don't know if that would be worth it or not, uh, with all the un, you know, destabilizing consequences of that kind of civil war. Had, had somebody like Mo Brooks uh, gathered a bunch of Republicans to try to overthrow Biden in, in a coup d'etat, which only could have succeeded with help of the U.S. military. So that would have uh, been a pretty crazy and destabilizing development. But, hey, getting rid of NATO would uh, probably go further to saving the world than just about anything else that could be done. So who knows? Anyway, another who knows question is, who knows if the CIA spooks can defeat Russia? Well, here's an article in the Wall Street Journal of all places (laughs) by a retired spook who's obviously got investments in Spooks Incorporated, who says, all we need is another few $10 billion budget increases and we can win this war by recruiting Russian spies. Give us money quick. Uh, you ready to, to fork over? <laughs> no, indeed. Uh, they have a distinct failure trying to send white bread Americans uh, from the Midwest into Russia. Uh, and they don't speak the language, don't know the culture, etc., and pretend to spy for the United States. Uh, and if they hire dissident uh, Russians, uh, you know, you get what you pay for. And I, I'm sure a number of the distant Russians will be double agents. So that'll all be fun and interesting, and we could probably make some new movies and write some new spy novels about all that. So sure, give them tens of billions of dollars. We're all doing fine. We've got so much extra money. I can't wait to throw money at the CIA so they can win the war on Russia by recruiting well, Russian spies. Well, you wonder if, if this guy might have been, uh, or his friends might have been involved in the mysterious death of Manuel Oxenreiter, uh, who died supposedly in, in Moscow of uh, natural causes, a heart attack at 45. Uh, yet he was the guy that kept posting on... Uh, Facebook, his visits to the Donbass region and his articles that he wrote uh, supporting uh, what was happening uh, uh, in Russian support for the uh, their eth- ethnic brethren across the border and uh, and how they were being attacked by uh, Zelensky and Poroshenko, uh, killing 14,000 of them. So maybe it isn't just Putin who supposedly uh, he and his friends are, are killing journalists. Maybe the other side kills journalists, too. Well, we know about that. We, we had that covert action article, I think, last week about the uh, U.S. history of just mass murdering journalists by the hundreds, um, you know, blowing up uh, hotels in Iraq and things like that. Um, the collateral murder uh, video that got Assange locked up for life is obviously uh, one example of that. Also, that certainly wasn't collateral. That was deliberate murder. And anyway, moving on to uh, more stories about propaganda, here's an interesting piece from Politico that tells us what the real goal of the Russian propaganda really is. And guess what? It's not what you think. You thought that the Russian propaganda was supposed to make you sympathize with the Russians, but it's not. All it's about is just trying to make you get tired of listening to their propaganda, the Western propaganda. Well, guess what? The Russian propaganda worked because I'm really tired of the Russian, of the Western propaganda, which is a million times crazier than the Russian propaganda. So hooray for the Russian propaganda. Uh, Putin, you did it perfectly. I agree. <laughs> In other words, we, you know, the, the purpose of Russian propaganda is to help us get tired of the bullshit. And we are tired of the bullshit. So why the, you might, Putin might as well save his money and stop paying for all the propaganda because we're already tired of the bullshit. Um, 
And, and this article in Politico also warns us that the Russian propagandists are going to be abetted by groups in the West on the extremes of the political spectrum who are supported by Kremlin money. Well, they're talking about people like us, only I'm not getting any Kremlin money. So I heard the ruble was back up, though, after they announced they were only going to sell rubles in, or only sell oil in rubles. So, uh, uh, hey, Putin, could you, could you like send me a few million dollars? Wait a minute. I'm not supposed to say that. It, hey, it's a joke. It's a joke, people. You're not allowed to joke anymore, though. And we'll get to a story about the, uh, joking about which gender people are at the yeah. end of the show. <laughs> so let's, uh, let's move on to the, uh, propaganda against the Taliban. That was last, last season's propaganda. <laughs> Foreign Affairs magazine tells us it turns out that the Taliban are actually totally nice, reasonable people. And all of this propaganda about how insane they were and they executed kite flyers and hated women and, and all of this nonsense was uh, all just Western propaganda because we can admit that now because the policy has changed and now we need to try to make inroads with the Taliban. So it's it's just shameless having these Orwellian reversals. And last year we were at war with Oceania. This year we're actually no, no. We've always been at war with Eurasia, right? And we've we've always loved the Taliban and we've always hated Putin. That's this year's truth, anyway. Well, it's just amazing how they uh, keep going back and forth on the Taliban, and they uh, uh, they oppose them, then they supported them, then they oppose them, now they support them, and now they don't know what to do with them. Uh, it, it just uh, it shows that the Americans don't really understand the rest of the world and probably don't understand even their own country. That's right. And in this article, which actually is pretty good and it's pretty reasonable and it portrays the Taliban probably in a balanced and reasonable way, but you weren't allowed to do that before, back when we were at war with the Taliban. Oh no, they were evil, crazy extremists who, you know, and I'm not saying the Taliban are perfect. Uh, they, yeah, did some terrible things back in the 90s, but compared to what the U.S. government has done, they're all a bunch of Mother Teresas. In yeah. any case, uh, and now we get a balanced view of the Taliban, but God help us if we should ever see a balanced view of Russia. Mm. In the next uh, slide, uh, speaking of unbalanced views of Russia, how about this claim that uh, as many as, well, that's a weasel word, as many as 40,000 Russian troops have been killed, according to who? Well, <laughs> according to information from Ukrainian officials and Western intelligence. Okay. Well, Gordon Duff at Veterans Today kind of scoffed at that and just, you know, fell on the ground laughing. Actually, the numbers are closer to 500 killed, 2,200 wounded. And it reminds him of the hilarious kill counts from the Vietnam area. In the Vietnam era, we killed off the entire population of Vietnam several times over, but somehow they kept coming back from the grave to whip our sorry asses. And that's pretty much what the Russians seem to be doing, too. Well, they're doing a good job. The, uh, and in fact, they, they keep saying, oh, the Russian advance is stalled. Well, they're not out to kill everybody in the Ukraine and destroy everything in the Ukraine. Uh, they're taking uh, care not to wreck the country any more than the Zelensky and his predecessors have done. And, uh, of course, the Ukraine is about the size of Texas, so it's uh, a good size, a bit of area to uh, to take over. Yeah, so the, so the body count stories, of course, are are always exaggerations or whatever. You know, we, we always, we, we're used to that. Um, but this narrative that the Russians are losing because they're all being killed uh, has then been used to tell us that, oh, because the Republic, the, it's, what a coincidence. They lost, supposedly lost up to 40,000 fighters. So now we're going to replace them with up to 40,000 Syrian fighters. That's our next slide. <laughs> uh, so, wow. If 40,000 Syrians are signing up to fight for Russia, uh, that 
why do they like Russia so much? Well, maybe because Russia saved their country from CIA-sponsored ISIS, and now they want to help the Ukrainians save their country from CIA-sponsored Azov. <laughs> At least that's that's how it looks to me. Uh, so who is this? But this story about forty thousand Syrian fighters, Mike, looks kind of bogus to me. It's yeah. sourced to guess who? The Syrian Observatory for Human Rights. Oh my God. So what is that? It's one CIA asset working out of his basement somewhere yeah. in the UK. Yeah. Uh, so He's if you believe this, yeah, yeah. So what, what do you what do you think? Uh, I'm sure there must be some Syrians who want to help the Russians, but yeah. forty thousand. Nah. nah, I think that's a little much. Yeah, yeah, just the like the 40,000 Russian troops. Yeah. The Ukrainians are doing their damnedest to recruit mercenaries from all over the world. And if you call the Ukrainian embassy to ask about this, the line is always busy. And when you deal with the press section, they don't talk to you. That's right. So Syria has a different view of this conflict than NATO does. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, how about the people sort of on the fringes of NATO, like the Finns? In our next slide, we see that there's now, supposedly, according to polls, a Finnish majority that wanted to join NATO. Uh, or wait a second. No, this, I'm sorry. That's, I, I'm getting ahead of ourselves. Our next slide is, uh, is the U.S. formally accusing Russia of war crimes in Ukraine. Uh, so, of course, the Russians are asking, wait a minute, who's holding these human shields and torturing and executing them if they try to leave by the humanitarian corridors that we set up? Exactly like in ISIS-held regions in Syria and Iraq. Once again, Azov equals ISIS. Uh, so what, what war crimes did the Russians commit? Well, the State Department specifically cited attacks on a maternity hospital and theater in Mariupol. Wait a minute. Those two have been totally debunked and shown to be false flags. These war crime accusations, I don't think Putin has to worry about what's going to happen to him in The Hague anytime soon. Well, I mean, if Joseph Goebbels uh, was right, uh, you, you repeat the same lie over and over and over again, and eventually it becomes truth. Uh, I guess and so. of course, they're ignoring the American war crimes from Yugoslavia to Afghanistan and farther east to Vietnam. Yeah, Vietnam. talk about the you know, proverbial pot and kettle. This is uh, completely <laughs> over the top. Um, but over in Finland, apparently now a majority of Finns wants to join NATO, according to a poll. And maybe they're looking forward to another winter war. Um, that worked pretty well at first. Yeah. Uh, yeah for, for a few months, the Finns did really well when they fought that Russian invasion uh, on the brink of World War II. The Finns were on their skis, and they skied all over, uh, and they were very mobile. They managed to destroy a lot of Russian tanks and stuff like that. But before too long, the uh, size of, of Russia uh, determined the outcome. And uh, now the Finns, apparently, they want another winter war, only they want NATO to back them up as they go skiing around fighting the Russians. Why, why can't they just be neutral and live at peace? Well, it, it's sort of peculiar with the timing, because uh, when the, uh, the old Soviet Union invaded Hungary, the Finns didn't join NATO. And when the old Soviet Union invaded uh, what was once Czechoslovakia, uh, the Finns didn't join NATO. So why now... Uh, with uh, the police action in the Ukraine, do the Finns want to become NATO members? I, I, I sort of wonder how much of that is propaganda and how much is fake polling. Yeah, well, it's obviously propaganda. If, if the poll is, is accurate, then the Finns have been propagandized, which would be surprising as the propaganda machine is just in total overdrive. Um, well, 
some people are blaming this whole situation on Zionists. Of course, some of us like to blame a lot of things on Zionists. Some people, <laughs> some people even blame too much on Zionists. Uh, they're the extremists uh, among us. <laughs> but uh, uh, the fact is that you can actually blame quite a few things on Zionists uh, pretty accurately. But how about this war? Well, mm, people cite various claims. They say, well, 200,000 potential Israeli citizens are being driven out of Ukraine and into Israel's arms. That's a huge uh, qui bono right there. Uh, the Israelis have managed to distract the Russians and take their eye off the ball. The Russians no longer are threatening to stop Israel bombing Syria. Now they're tied down in Ukraine and they have to come begging to Israel as a mediator. Uh, and then finally, uh, you know, here, here's here's some evidence that the Israelis are in this up to their necks. Medkia is the largest border crossing out of Ukraine into Poland. It's the biggest exit place for refugees from Ukraine. And uh, so you get to that border. What do you see? Israeli flags. Mm. That's the first thing you see, according to this story from the Jewish Daily Forward. Asked how they got such prime real estate. The men running these operations hoisted their elbows and shrugged. We're Israeli. Okay. Uh, you're Israeli, you get any prime real estate you want, like uh, occupied Palestine, Washington, yeah. D.C., I mean, <laughs> in Manhattan. How does that work? Well, you invade or you buy people off. Uh, you uh, warp the twisted media in your direction and you can get away with murder. And they do. Literally. Yep. So the first thing you see if you're fleeing from Ukraine is Israeli flags. Wow. You've, you've gotten out of the frying pan into the proverbial fire, I guess. Mm. Uh, and pretty pretty soon the whole world's going to be uh, Israeli-occupied the way it looks. Uh, but hopefully not Belarus. That'll be the last place to run. If you're a dissident here in the United States, Belarus will give you political asylum. In fact, they just did give political asylum to Evan Newman. He's been granted asylum there after fleeing political persecution by the FBI in the form of six charges stemming from his alleged participation in the January 6th insurrection. So, hey, Mike, uh, maybe I should uh, meet you over in Belarus. <laughs> yeah, it's probably safer there. I mean, uh, it's not quite like Washington, D.C., where you had uh, uh, riots, looting and arson in uh, Lafayette Square and historic St. John's Church and in Tenleytown. Uh, so it's probably safer in, in, in Belarus than it is here. So does Belarus have any nice beaches in the Mediterranean climate? Don't have the slightest idea. Never been there and uh, don't know what the place is like. Yeah, well, the, the, uh, probably not exactly Mediterranean-style beaches, I would imagine. Um, and our, uh, our producer, Alan Reese, mentions that free speech isn't so great in Belarus either. But, you know, countries that are... Uh, at war with vastly more powerful neighbors dedicated to destroying them often uh, do restrict their free speech. Uh, take Cuba, please. Uh, mm -hmm. Anyway, let's move on to another place where there isn't all that much free speech. And maybe they have reasons, maybe they don't for that. Uh, and that's China. So China, uh, contrary to some of the reports we've seen earlier, is supporting Russia in this Ukraine thing. Uh, and now the media is finally admitting it. First, the media kept saying, oh, maybe China will actually turn against Russia. Maybe China will pressure Russia. Maybe China will force Russia to withdraw. Maybe China will help us destroy Russia. Well, no, China's not going to help you destroy Russia because the next thing you would do is turn around and destroy China. So China is obviously supporting Russia. They're, if they're sending military help, which they probably are, it's totally covert. They're not admitting it. They're certainly admitting, though, that they are doing everything they can to take up the slack in the Russian economy as the whole Western world moves out of Russia. And Zheng Hengui, uh, the ambassador to Russia, 
has described the situation as a tremendous opportunity for Chinese businesses, as I would expect he would. And, uh, of course, the NATO uh, commanders and the National Security Council people are all fuming and gnashing their teeth. Well, the, the warmongers in Washington uh, are taking on two very large, uh, very powerful enemies at the same time, and I don't think that's terribly smart. Uh, and all they've done so far is move Russia and China closer together rather than drive them apart. So I, I think that uh, they have no idea of uh, what's going on in the, in the rest of the world. And uh, if they spend all their time antagonizing the Russians, uh, and then uh, uh, they'll see the Chinese suddenly uh, occupying more little fly specks in the South China Sea, and that will set them off again. And then they'll send more warships into Chinese waters in the hopes of creating an incident. So I, I think these people are nuts, and uh, they ought to leave well enough alone. Well, they may have driven the Chinese and the Russians and the Iranians together um, into a formidable anti-NATO alliance. But now they're trying to at least get Venezuela on their side. Good luck with that. Uh, that was hysterical <laughs> when they, they wanted to buy oil from Venezuela after doing their best to destroy the country with this fake <laughs> President Guido. Right. Yeah. Well, now they're forgetting all about President Guido. Right. Uh, they, they did their best to overthrow the government in Venezuela. It failed. And Venezuela is thriving under U.S. sanctions. Well, if Venezuela can thrive under U.S. sanctions, how about Russia and China and Iran? Uh, those sanctions, somehow I don't think those are going to uh, win the war for you guys. And so now the U.S. is coming begging for Venezuelan oil because <laughs> Russia has turned off its oil spigots, just like they're about to sign the, the, uh, the nuclear treaty with Iran. But somehow I think Maduro is uh, going to say, uh, uh, you know, you just tried to overthrow me last year. Now you want more oil uh, this year. You know, I'd rather uh, sell to uh, the Russians, the Chinese, anybody but you. Oh, exactly right. I mean, the, the, these people are absolutely nuts. And it's the same old playbook uh, due to Venezuela, what we did to Cuba, due to Iran, what we did to Venezuela and Cuba, due to Russia, what we did to Venezuela, Cuba and Iran. I mean, it just goes on and on and on. And it's the same old story, and they never realized that. Okay, well, this week I got a chance to write what may be not only the perfect epitaph for Madeleine Albright, it might be the perfect epitaph for the U.S. Empire, which is half a million dead children. We think it's worth it. Of course, for the U.S. Empire, that would be more like maybe 30 million dead children. Yeah, we think it's worth it. You know, like I thought it was ironic that Madeleine Albright's famous autobiography is called hell and other destinations I don't, I don't think she has any other destinations at this point what do you no, think no 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 i mean she's probably sitting at old satan's right hand yeah yeah i mean that this is a, a quote that i don't think anybody outside the borders of the united states has ever forgotten mm. uh, and well maybe the europeans did but the rest of the world which is siding with russia in this ukraine thing has not forgotten it and never will um, but, of course, there are a few uh, dissidents in places like Russia and other non-NATO-occupied countries, people like Alexei Navalny, the fierce Putin critic, as we see in our next slide. He's also a CIA-owned Muslim genocide advocate. He's an extreme racist ultra-nationalist, uh, and he's a CIA-created teeny bopper idol. He, is, he appeals primarily to easily suggestible, economically privileged 16-year-olds. That's his demographic. Uh, when he has a rally, all they have to do is do a curfew, you know, for people under 18 and nobody can show up. Uh, and it's Navalny's uh, CIA group that's behind this Putin has a luxury yacht in Italy story. Maybe that's true. I don't know. But from that source, I'm certainly not going to trust it. But, of course, the Western media is now 
weeping crocodile tears that Navalny is given a nine-year prison sentence for his uh, fraudulent activities. Um, frankly, as far as I'm concerned, you know, just like with Madeleine Albright, my reaction to this is good riddance. Well, isn't he the guy that described Muslims in uh, part of the cockroaches. Russian Federation uh, yeah. as uh, yep. cockroaches? Yep, that's him. Yeah, yeah, He's, that's the kind of guy that the, C, the CIA loves. These people, they love ISIS, they love uh, the you know the Azov uh, Nazis, and, and they mm -hmm. they love this Russian Nazi uh, Navalny, who apparently has some kind of weird charisma that he gets sixteen-year-old girls hot for him, uh, and that's the basis of his entire political persona. Uh, I'm sure he's having a good time as he takes the CIA money and cocaine and runs around with the 16-year-old Russian girls from the wealthy families, but somehow I don't think this is much of a threat to Putin. No, no, although I do think Russian girls are hot, whatever their age. <laughs> well, yeah, maybe maybe uh, the CIA will send you over there with some cocaine and, and good luck with that, Mike. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, moving on to our final category this week, censorship. The censors are censoring the sane people. The mad censors censoring the sane. Tulsi Gabbard is saying a few moderate, insane things, and Twitter tells us that that's inappropriate and offensive and erases her. Uh, what did she say? All she said was, quote, people like Hillary Clinton and Joe Biden and Kamala Harris are all using flowery language about how, you know, we got to take a stand and pay the price for freedom. The question we should all be asking is, OK, tell us how Russia somehow has the power to take away our freedom. Is yeah, that inappropriate and offensive? Yeah, I don't think so. I mean, Russia is halfway around the world from the United States and uh, the United States has done everything in its power to block any kind of uh uh, normal relations with Russia uh, and uh, has done its best to demonize them. And uh, it, it wasn't the Russians that interfered with American elections. It was our glorious friends in the illegitimate terrorist uh, and apartheid entity that calls itself Israel. It isn't the Russians that shredded the First Amendment and uh, erased all of these people, including Tulsi Gabbard, from the de facto public square of social media. So... What can you say? Uh, crazy people censoring sane people. And that's our final story here. Is, uh, it gets even crazier where Twitter is censoring Tucker Carlson for uh, winking at the Babylon Bee for make, cracking some joke about Rachel Levine. You can't even <laughs> joke about this guy who thinks he's a gal. Uh, it's not funny. And if you think it is, uh, you're, you're, you're deplatformed, you're erased, you're canceled. So Tucker has been canceled for uh, chuckling at a Babylon Bee joke about something you're just not allowed to joke about. Well, they've got this uh, cartoon that I was sent by a friend uh, of this guy who uh, wins a swimming meet. And he says, I won that women's competition fair and square. And anybody who doesn't like it can suck my sexual organ. <laughs> oh, no. Well, that deserves censorship, Mike. That's absolutely disgusting. <laughs> and by the way, Twitter also announced that anyone who tweets anything about the emperor being naked will be escorted from the premises by the Imperial Guard and summarily executed. So thank you for your cooperation. And we and the fully clothed, majestically dressed emperor look forward to serving your tweeting needs that was from Twitter, not False Flag Weekly News. Here at False Flag Weekly News, we'll say whatever we want. And the deplatformers, cancelers, and censors be damned. All right, Mike, thank you so much. J. Michael Springman, it's always fun to do the show with you. Yeah, I love it. It was great. Uh, great topics and uh, great comments.
That's right. And your internet connection even perked up just when we started the show. So, uh, <laughs> alhamdulillah and alhamdulillah that we have so many wonderful supporters who keep us going through our fundraisers. Thank you all. God bless. See you next week. Okay. Ma'asalama. Ma'asalama.